find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out! Drink! Two! Along the circus, right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit. Ah! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner. He's an asshole. And Chris Honeywell. Boy, is he strange. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Yes. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Two True Freaks. This is a supplemental episode to our massive epic Trontacular. In this one, we are going to do a, uh, a commentary feature for Tron. So, uh, oh, and by we, I mean uh, myself, Scott Gardner. <laughs> and me, Chris Honeywell. Sorry, I'm eating hey. pizza in true watching a movie fashion. I got my Dr. Pepper and oh. my pizza. I am so prepared, dude. I have Parmesan and Tuscan herb. I want to say Tuscan Raider, but it's Tuscan herb <laughs> baked Lay's. I've never tried these before, and they are awesome. I also have one of these great big, like, super gulp size oh, cups yeah. filled with, uh, I've got, uh, let me see here, I've got... Vault Zero nice. with a touch of uh, raspberry vodka. Uh -huh. Or, uh -huh. wait a minute, is it raspberry vodka with a touch of Vault Zero? I can't remember anymore. But anyway, I am ready. I am so ready. Um, now, just to, to tell folks, if you have not heard our Trontacular, I highly recommend listening to that before you listen to this. Because in that, you're going to get like our Tron origin stories, you know, how we discovered the movie and all that sort of thing. Because I don't know that we're really going to recap that so much as i really just want to comment on the movie itself so well, but we'll just kind of see where things take us but anyway i highly recommend listen to that one first if you have not already and uh prepare yourself with a with a dvd copy of tron now what was the director's and, name of this movie steve lisberger i might just pretend to be steve lisberger every once in a while and break into like <laughs> you know director mode but we'll see how that works out see that how might it be works. fun now, for those following along at home, where we are is we are just after it, the screen has gone black, just like a microsecond after the words Walt Disney Productions Presents has disappeared from the screen. So we are sitting at a black screen at the moment, all prepared to, uh, to start the movie. So synchronize yourselves, and we're going to start. Let me see. You want to count here? Yeah, you want to do it, or you want me to do it? All right. Yeah, I'll do it. All right, here we go. Starting in three, two, one, go. And we are playing. Zip. And 
is starting. The lightning lights up. And, and yeah, the lightning lights up. We're seeing Tron be assembled. Are we in sync? Yes, we are. I love this. Well, if anybody's seen the a recent South Park, it, it recreates this whole sequence here. It, <laughs> I still have to see oh, that. It's beautiful. Really oh, my God. I cannot. You know, I don't. I must have never watched a DVD on my computer at night. Like, oh, that's what I forgot to mention. Um, do not. Do not watch this movie during the day. This movie is only properly viewed late at night when it is dark outside. And the lights are down in your room. a little bit sleepy or a little bit drunk or a little bit whatever. This is like the perfect nighttime movie right here. That reminds so, yeah. me. I'm going to actually, now that you mentioned that, I'm going to step away for about two seconds and turn off my lights. There you go. Yeah, I am sitting in pitch blackness watching this on my computer, and I cannot believe how crystal clear it is. Oh, this is awesome. I love the light cycle sequence. The now, I meant to mention, room, I um, love it. Um, if you're watching this on the special 20th anniversary edition, which I know you are, Chris, on the, uh, on the bonus feature, I found they actually do have on there the alternate openings to Tron, because there was an alternate opening that had um, some text come up and basically prefaced the movie for you. And when I saw this originally at the drive-in, that was part of the movie mm -hmm. when I saw it, was that text that came up. So I'm kind of surprised that it's not incorporated into this version. And no no vi uh, version I've ever seen on like VHS or DVD has ever actually incorporated that footage in. But when I saw it originally, you know, at the movies, it was there. So that's kind of interesting. I love David Warner. Yeah. You know, I, I never noticed it before, but uh, those guys are all standing. And then when Sark steps into that machine, they all sit down and sink. Yeah. I never really noticed that before. There's kind of you. Uh, one thing about seeing it on the, in high quality like this is I could see the mat lines of all those guys pretty. Yeah. But um, I love this. This is so ahead of its time, you know, with the. I mean, this guy, uh, this could be happening. That that guy's the total, like, um, cubicle jockey here oh yeah now i like when they get angry or get physical with each other that that they flare up for just a second their colors yeah. always get bigger as their emotions flare up or whatever i love that i love clue this whole little conversation or no actually that's not clue that's ram mm -hmm. isn't it i got my characters wrong mm -hmm. that's ram that's right i still like that guy i was reading somewhere i was i was looking this guy up to see what else he might have done and the only thing I, I saw that you know was of like personal interest to me was uh, I guess he had been a Ferengi on one of the Star Trek incarnations at some point. So I'm gonna have to keep an eye. When you look I at his face, you can see how he could be. He's got a pointy little yeah. Ferengi. You can see how the Ferengi makeup would work with him. I can't remember what series it was though. It was, it was either I think I think it was either TNG or DS9, but I I really can't remember. But the Office program he's talking here looks like that guy from the commercial who's like I'm a PC. <laughs> he does. Oh, I love this. I love the angular look of everything. You know, mm -hmm. everything is sharp corners, and I love that. This part here always drove me just a little bit crazy with the with the thing that says "meanwhile, meanwhile in the real world." I, I just want. Do we really need that? You think? It just looks a little funny to me, but I think they were trying to just be sort of storybook like with it. You know, 
at, you know, obviously it's in the real world, but they're just trying to be, you know, creative about it, maybe, I don't know. Now, Clue, I don't know why, but I always latched on to the character of Clue. Uh-huh. And when I would play video games, you I know you remember this. Back in the day when I would play arcade games, and any time I ever got a high score on the board, my name that I put in was Clue, C-L-U. I, I always, to this day, I use that as a matter of fact. I like we, uh, that we this guy's out. in computer world. He's still drinking some sort of equivalent of coffee. Yeah. Watch him flare up as he drinks it, too. Oh, he didn't do it in that part. Maybe it does it later on. I forget. But, yeah, there's one part where he takes a drink and his colors flare up for just a second. I also remember no. in my underground paper, your column was called Clue's Corner. Clue's Corner, yep. Yeah. Well, we went out to eat. Um, what night was that? Oh, it was on Scotty's birthday. We, we took Scotty out to eat at this restaurant in Douglasville. And they had an arcade machine there that I kind of wonder if maybe it was a main machine because you could choose from, yep. I want to say it was like a couple of dozen different mm -hmm. games, but they were all these classic games like Galaga and stuff. And I played Tetris and uh, I blew away whatever the top score was on Tetris. And I put Clue up as my name on that. So, oh, that tank looks great in this high definition. Oh, on sure the, does. I mean, is this high definition on the computer screen? Yes, is the that computer what screen is in high definition. Oh, it looks so uh -huh. awesome. I've been watching movies on my... That's why I get the IMAX, because they have the nice... It's like having a high-definition TV screen. You can watch all your shit beautifully. Oh, so You want to watch something nice on a high-def computer screen, watch um, episode two of Star Wars. Yeah. I'm going to have to do... I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to mm -hmm. have to dig out some of my DVDs and watch them at night on the computer when it's, like, this dark, because it's, like pitch black in here i can i can hardly see yep, anything me too but that's what's made for this beautiful you know neon look of this movie a video game oh, movie you know now he's shooting it you know recognizers and it's just playing out like a video game now i have been replaying tron 2.0 on the xbox but you know what? I think I'm going to reinstall it on my PC, and I'm going to play it late at night on my PC uh, in pitch blackness. I bet you that would look incredible on this. Yeah, this this movie, I really envy you seeing this in the drive-in. This is such a drive-in movie. Yeah. You know? well, it was an awesome experience, too, because, you know, I, I, I bitch and I complain that I had to sit through the first feature before this came on, but ultimately that really really worked because it made it later at night it's later at night yeah and like i say you this is you can't watch this movie during the day or when there's any light or anything it's it's really made for for in pitch blackness and that really works because by the time tron came on at the drive-in it was the middle of the night and it was pitch black and it was on that just you know that was the closest thing to like imax back in the day so yeah it was just oh incredible incredible man look how young he is right there yeah, i know best actor nice no, i love how it goes all pixelated for a second as as he's, as he's getting slightly derezzed or just tortured yeah. a little bit and his color goes red which i really like too yeah this That's is red. so ahead of i mean this was looked at as being kind of like unreal well, unrealistic. It is unrealistic. But, the, the, you know, I mean, the D-Res, all that stuff was just like, oh, it's goofy sci-fi talk. But 
boy it really wasn't you know it's like where we were talking no. about it in the last show where he's like talking about the scuzzy data or whatever you know and yeah. and i love it and, and here we have the ncom helicopter which looks like it's out of the trot you know i love yes. this beginning part of it because <laughs> it's auto man's helicopter yeah the yeah, and look at the the <laughs> rooftop has neon landing you know the the world of tron and the world of of reality are very well represented as being parallel and very visually similar oh, yeah. i love that i love the design in this movie well when we get to the end of the movie and uh it's showing this city which whatever city this is i think it's la but i'm not exactly sure but anyway the city in the end credits fades away to a very tron-like scape in the background like with the like the car lights zipping yeah, real fast you know, yeah look. yeah you got a yeah. whole grid especially in la is car city so it's just grids of th freeways and you know like like tunnels of data and did you, you ever watch and this guy oh, sorry, and this guy's computer he's got here built onto his desk with the touch screen and stuff that's all the stuff that's coming up right now you know that's right this is right up to date yeah the uh the touch um keypad yeah because there's no buttons there that's no, all he's just, that's like star trek he's just touching the top like of his desk yeah his whole desk yeah. is a big ipod that. touch but imagine i mean that was when i mean when we saw this when this movie came out that was science fiction oh yeah I mean, that was way ahead of its time and now it's now it's real that's that's so cool now did you ever watch any of uh batman the animated series uh you know, the actual I, maybe i caught an episode or two here and there when it was on tv but I don't think I really you, paid attention too much to it. You remember from the comics, uh, the character of uh, Ra's al Ghul? Uh -huh. um, David Warner here, um, just the guy playing Dillinger, was, was he the voiced... voice of Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, Ra's, oh, he was, he was fantastic. Hey, fantastic. Look, Scott, it's your buddy. Say what? It's your buddy. What buddy? Bruce Boxeitner. Oh, are you ahead of me? I think you're ahead of me. I think you're slightly ahead of me. Yeah. Now I'm at Bruce Boxleitner. Shit, are we out of sync already? That's okay. I'll just pause it for a couple seconds and we'll be right on. on okay. Uh, All right, where are you at right now? End of line. The MCP just said end of line? No, he just typed it in. Don't worry about it. I'll just, I'll just adjust it with mine because I'm... I'm ahead of you. I can just I, I just access suspended. I, I just pause for five seconds. Oh, now that is all in behind him, where you see all those cubicles. Uh huh. I can't see the line, but at some point there, there's a line, and that's all a uh, a Nellen Shaw, at painting. Yeah. Now I'm at the part where Dillinger's watching um, Alan walking towards his yep, office, we're, and he we're just lined right up. up. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, he's getting off the elevator right now. Wow, everybody looks so young in this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's amazing that they they actually did a matte painting for something as mundane as a bunch of cubicles in some office building. But yeah, I love those '80s glasses he's wearing too. Yeah, Jesus Christ, I used to have a pair like that for like ten years. I know. <laughs> they were thick as Coke bottles too. Well, he's he's a yeah. real. He usually played like swashbuckler, you know, Scarecrow and Mr. Mrs. King. But this, he's a he's a total nerd in this. Did you ever see uh, the Babe with John Goodman? No. Nope. He was good in that. He played uh, 
Jumpin' Joe. I don't remember what the character's last. It was he was a real person, but I don't remember what his last name was. But he was really good in that movie. He was like basically he was like Babe Ruth's best friend in that, and that was a really good movie. But uh, David Warner, man, God, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in something that I didn't like him in. I mean, he was in uh, SOS Titanic. I can't remember the character he played now, but he he played a real person. He was a school teacher. And uh, he was in that. Actually, he's the only person to uh, to go on the Titanic twice, you know, fictionally speaking, anyway, because he was in SOS Titanic and he lived in that movie. Spoiler alert. And then he was uh, that scumbag character in James Cameron's Titanic, and he died in that movie. So he actually got to go on the Titanic twice and lived once and died the second time. So that's pretty cool. Now, here's where we're still in science fiction with the master control program having such a complex personality oh yeah we don't have that yet i think we're getting close oh, yeah. though i mean you could make a you could make a uh simulation of it easy enough now is is this before or after that um david warner played what was his character in time bandits something the evil like the evil one or the ultimate evil or something you know what i'm talking yeah, about he was he was like yeah the ultimate evil was that a little person up on that one gangplank right there i i missed it yeah i, I think it was it was one of those like force perspective tricks where they actually use a little person to make the thing look bigger than it it, it just looked that way it, it may have been just the angle but it kind of looked like that now I liked this part of the story, and I don't think we mentioned this at all in our in our episode. But the this whole was like digitizing things. Yeah, but I mean, early it's, transporter it's, technology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like Star Trek. You know, it's really start a Star Trek idea, but done in kind of a real world, well, to a, to a degree, real you know, like a real science way of of turning matter into energy. And storing it in the computer, which is basically what they do in Star Trek. Yeah, to some degree, although the the definition of the orange doesn't look <laughs> high enough to, uh, you know what I mean? The orange still looks like a digital re res representation oh, of an screen? orange when they put it up on the screen. It's a little weird. Well, I love it. This I is when computers kinda... were also big banks of. Oh, yeah. Well, I always kind of took the image that was on the screen as just, just a like representation you said, of it. just a representation that in the computer, though, it actually was like perfectly digitally stored. I kind of like that idea. It's almost like if you think about it, it's kind of like what uh, what V'ger was doing to yes, everything. To everything. Yes. Yeah. Now, what I'm thinking, though, is if they ever do make this technology... I don't think it will be like this. I don't think it will be where it makes it disappear on one end. I think it'll just like pull the information off it and you'll still be sitting there and your information will be in the in the um, computer, which will open up lots of cans of world worms. Are you at the part where the orange just... Yeah. There it goes. It's zipped into the... Yeah, that's cool. You know what's weird is this... Uh, this audio is so good with the surround sound with my headphones for it, it kind of freaked me out it sounded like somebody was standing behind me saying something i was looking to see if one of my kids came down to say something <laughs> to me or something that was weird because i heard this this little noise just be like eh or something yeah, but it kind of sounded like stereo Dad. separation yeah oh it's good though the sound is great and she's she's got the total 80s hot girl in her nerd 
God, it's so hot for her. So even today, I oh if she God, was in a geez. music video, she'd take her barrettes out and shake out her hair and take her glasses off and pull her lab coat off and she'd be in a bikini and start dancing with David Lee Roth. Well, you need to go to that second disc and find the uh, the deleted scenes because that scene where Yori changes base basically she does the 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 old uh, let me change into something more comfortable routine. Oh man, woo! <laughs> Cause, yeah, I mean, she's got, like you say, she's got the totally hot nerd girl thing going on. But, yeah, later on when she actually does let her hair down and she doesn't have the glasses and all, it's like, wow. No, I like that. She's a doll. I man. like that they have this whole subtext in here of she used to date Flynn and and Alan's very jealous of him because Flynn's this cool swashbuckler. I love the scene where they're heading towards Flynn's and you see out the window of their car and... It's just like. Does he have sneakers on? I don't know. I thought he, uh, you know, it was tough to tell because it was such a high up shot right there. But if he's got sneakers on, all right, this may be an extreme stretch, but but see if this follows. I wonder if that might be a little bit of a nod to uh, what was that movie? The computer wore tennis shoes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Which was a Disney movie from, you know, they, sort of kind of maybe around the same era. But yeah, you're right. Looking out the car win the van windows and all that. Yeah, it's like you're absolutely right. It's just a stylized, you know, the the outside of the immediate scene of where things are happening, everything is very stylized. That is cool. Watsina is the name of the street. I need to find out where this actually is. Home of space paranoids. Are we still in sync? More or less. <laughs> More or less. I'm right. keeping us in sync. Don't worry about it. Now, what what games do we spot here? I don't know what that tabletop game is. I think they're, they're very careful to make them not real video games for the most part. Oh yeah. You now might I be saw right. one that looked like it could be Battlezone, but yeah. I think they I think they mocked up. That looked like Arkham. I saw that. Asteroids Deluxe actually just now. Yep. Yep, you're right. And uh Yep, it is. I saw it's that, that one sprint. I Berserk. remember that There's one. There's Berserk. So yeah, there are some real video games in here. There are some real games, yeah. And uh this was before anybody realized that Jeff Bridges was gonna become an Oscar winning great <laughs> actor. Alright, those graphics were totally way too far. Way advanced, advanced for, for the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's more like uh, like Dragon's Lair or uh, Space Ace or something like that, which I, I don't believe came along. It would have cost a lot of money to actually develop a real video game. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I wonder if they could have developed Tron by the time. Maybe they didn't because they didn't. Want it, but it would have been nice to have him just playing the regular Tron video game. Yeah. I like the neon in the background of the recognizer that just like... I wonder if that's sitting around in a prop department somewhere. Oh yeah, I never noticed that before. Holy wouldn't that shit! Be nice How to, did I wouldn't that be that? nice to have in your in your uh, man cave? That is cool. I cannot believe I've never noticed that before. You know what it is though is that most of my viewings. Oh, the, did you see the camera get jostled right there? Yeah. But uh, I think most of my viewings of this have been on VHS, so it was in pan and scan, and I bet you that was cut out in yep. the pan and scan. Yep. 
I love I love this scene. This is this is some real good acting. Oh, yeah. you can tell she's probably been up here scronking with Jeff Bridges before. Boxleitner <laughs> hates it. You know, as soon as he walks in, he starts bitching about about him. And of course, as soon as Jeff Bridges walks in, he takes his shirt off and like hangs around the bed. And as soon as Boxleitner starts going, you know, she runs to the opposite side of the room and then he positions himself right in between both of them. It's just, it's now, that great. other neon sign blinking behind her in the background a second ago said Matrix Blaster, which is another one of the games that Dillinger screwed him out of. Uh-huh. Hey, that's another recognizer neon thing behind. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're going to show it again. They just showed it for just a brief glimpse right there. But yeah, I love this. Totally 80s bachelor pad. Now, remember these little football game type of things, yep, these handheld those, things like he's those, playing? The Tommy, Tommy football and basketball yeah. that were just dots, LED yep. dots. <laughs> they were a lot of fun. Some... I remember sitting at summer camp and, and I hate football and, and just like yep. mastering the football game because whatever, it wasn't really football. It was just like evade the other dot game, run forward and. I love this. I don't care if it's dated. Oh, God, she's hot. I don't care if this is dated or not. I, I, God, I love this movie. <laughs> it's not that dated, really. Really, I mean, it makes more sense now in this con- context than it does back when it when it came out. I think it's less cheesy now than it was then. Oh, yeah. No, I, don't, I, I just mean as far as, like, you know, the whole 80s look to it. You know, hairstyles and the look. Yeah. But, you know, once once it's fully in the computer world, yeah, it's I, timeless. I think it yeah. doesn't look dated. Yeah, it's totally timeless. It, it's, it, it, it kind of works in a, in a Wizard of Oz kind yeah. of way. Oh, she's smoking hot. Where's your glasses, though? She took her glasses off when she went into Flynn's apartment. Put your glasses back There's that recognizer. Yeah, you're right. It's right next to that. Uh, he's got like a parking yeah. meter in there and, a, and another recognizer neon. Yep. The sad yep. thing is a lot of those props end up getting smashed up and thrown away and stuff. It's sad. I bet you somewhere, though, somebody's probably got some nice pieces from this. Well, a lot of times the people from the movie get them and then it gets passed through the eBay world and the collectible <laughs> world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you're a little bit ahead of me, actually. But that's cool. Why did you just see the recognizer? Yeah, a little, just just like a second or so after you said oh, okay. something about it. Yeah, well. But that's cool. Uh, you know, we're hundreds and hundreds of miles away so <laughs> these things are gonna it's happen that's bad. cool as long as we're, we're we're close enough now it's just dillinger and the mcp running things from on high man man <laughs> he's got a little bit of 60s damage who's that flynn oh he, flynn, he has a little yeah, 60s yeah. talk to him because man <laughs> it's a conspiracy <laughs> Someday, two true freaks will have a desk like Dillinger's, though. We'll each have our own desk that we'll sit behind recording our podcast from. Now they're uh, chatting to. Yeah, by, by that time, DeManzo will be dead and he'll just be like this voice coming out of the computer. Now, here's the old guy. What in the hell show was it that this old guy was. Because he was about 
arguably the most famous person in this movie when it right. came out. I can't remember. He was on TV at the time. He was like the the wizard or something like that, or the wizard of right. something. He was an old inventor guy, maybe very sort of similar. Yeah, I can't this. remember, but he, I remember him being on TV. He always played those Santa Claus wise old guy sort of characters. Yeah, I like this, but his like his, his character is a very realistic character in this. You know, he's he's he's, he's not like played the, too he's like grumpy. Steve Jobs of the of the yeah. place. He he built the whole company, and now it's all kind of getting away from him, kind of thing. Yeah, because he said he started it in his garage, started the business in his garage. The 80s. Just, as he dressed, too. Yeah, well, of course. That's, but the 80s were always always had corporate, the evil corporate, you know, RoboCop and stuff. You know, this is these <laughs> scenes remind me of all the corporate boardroom scenes in RoboCop and, and stuff like that. That was a big 80s, you know, the big enemy in a lot of movies in these at this time period. Oh, that's what this movie needs. It needs Murphy to walk in and shoot him three or four <laughs> times in the chest, and he falls out the window at the end. That'd be excellent. So I'm surprised somebody hasn't done a Tron <laughs> RoboCop comic mashup. That would be cool, actually, because now that I think about it, elements of uh, RoboCop versus Terminator, that comic book series, elements of it were sort of kind of Tron-like, like when they went into... Uh, Murphy's mind and like the the world inside of his mind and stuff and uh -huh. that was, was kind of like this. Now that is a big door. I love this part. I wonder where this is actually filmed at. This one part with that giant freaking door. That's cool. It's hard to say. It could be made of balsa wood, <laughs> for all we know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, for that matter, that might be, like, somewhere on some Disney property, like, going into, like, the Utilidors or something like that, yeah. you know? <laughs> Never know where it might be filmed at. Well, those graphics were, like, state of the frickin' art when this came out. That thing right there that's rotating around on the screen kind of looks like that ship that Sark flies later yeah, on in the does. computer. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? I love that. Now the uh, the computer is going to blackmail him to get what it wants. That's pretty cool. Actually, Bruce Boxleitner looks a bit like um, Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a little bit of the Bill Gates going. His haircut's a little better. He probably wouldn't let him make him as doofy as Bill Gates. Well, Bill Gates wasn't probably even really anybody anybody paid attention to. Some shitty security guard. Yeah, I know. That's, the corporate security at Encom is not very good. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see any security cameras either. <laughs> Anywhere, where are all the security cameras? I love it. All the all the um, computers look like refrigerators and vending machines. <laughs> Never realized before how closely uh, Marty McFly's outfit resembles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And his hair. The dork thinks he's going to drown. What's with the life preserver? <laughs> I love how he's his sneaky walk. Now, did you ever notice funny. the Gort Klaatu Barada Nikto hidden 
in here? No, I don't think I did. Where is it's this? It's in the cubicle that Alan's... It's on the wall of the cubicle that Alan's typing into the computer, into into the mainframe, into. Where the hell are you at? Oh, I do see it now. Oh, you're way ahead of me, dude. I'm ahead of you by a few seconds. I'll just pause it and, and let you catch up. All right, Alan just, uh, let me see, it's about to, yeah, his computer screen just kind of lit up in front of him. That's where I'm at. Now I just switched to Dillinger. Is that where you're at? Yeah. Cool. How the hell do we keep getting out of sync if we're both watching the same DVD? I, I don't know. Maybe mine's playing faster. That makes sense. <laughs> That's weird. You wouldn't think it would, but I guess it's possible. Unless mine's la I, mean, I can't really hear the video all that or the uh, audio rather all that distinct on mine. So maybe the uh, audio and the video are lagging. Ah, oh, well, it doesn't well, matter. Yeah, maybe it's lagging just a tad. I can't. I can't. So the video doesn't look like it's lagging, but it, that doesn't mean it's not. I guess. But now I would like to know where this whole setup is. Is this something they made for the movie? You think, or is this like some real? I bet you they found a lab somewhere that was yeah. that was all. This would be expensive to set up, and there's got to be places like that. I mean, they're near the Silicon Valley. This looks like like a what do they call those? Like a particle accelerator or some shit it's, like that. I don't it's know. It's got what that, that feel to it, you know the the sort of pipes. Yeah, but um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of like. I mean, there's a lot of computer equipment. A lot of this stuff, like, I noticed there's a lot of just, like, tool racks and stuff sort of that you would see in an auto shop pushed against the walls you know? and stuff. And there's some radio radio, and, you know, there's probably some radio and video equipment, too, that they just shoved here and there, you know. <laughs> now that I really look at it, it looks a lot like the inside of Walmart.com now that I, I really get a good look at yeah, it. Yeah, it's just in certain, certain ways because I, I worked there for a brief time, and it has that kind of feel with all the gang planks and walkways and little terminal stations off to one side and stuff like that. I love this part. I'm at the part where he's uh, typing in starting his access to, code. to screw with the MCP. Yeah, this is yeah. this scene is very is beautiful in the South Park parody of this too. You shouldn't have come back, Flynn. And I'm sure there's going to be a parallel to this scene in the Neutron movie, too. This is like the iconic. Yeah. I love this shot coming up here in just a second where uh, you see the MCP starting to size him up yeah. with, the, with the laser. Like the Terminator. You know, I never noticed it before, but that laser... The, la the actual laser gun part of it sure looks a hell of a lot like uh, Wayne Zielinski's shrinking machi machine from uh, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I wonder if it might actually be it recycled. It could very well be, yeah. yeah. That was Buena Vista, wasn't it? The, yeah, the, oh yeah, that's yeah. a Disney production. Oh, that's so cool. How it like grids him all out, breaks him down. That is very cool. I and have... the beam splits to get get all of him i have an old 16 millimeter film from the 70s that's like you know in the future you know we're going to be doing all our animation on computers and it did a lot of the geometric patterns and dot it did a lot of stuff that's like this little intro here in tron which we see that and it's like you see it in a, 
the, this kind of graphics and like commercials on TV every day, you know. Yeah. But when this came out, this stuff was really cool, you know. Oh yeah. Before the way this, it some round all that. Some slave labor guy would have had to draw this all out, and uh, yeah, and this was all done by computer. One thing I Amazing. noticed about the new movie is that there's actual like clouds in the sky and stuff, or at least it looks like there is. And I, I, I hope at least at some point, well, there's water on the ground has, at one yeah. point and you know, right. I, I think that, I think that's because the newer computer world is higher resolution than this world. You know, I mean, their world must, their, their world must evolve at an insane yeah. rate, you know, compared to our world, things don't stay the same in the Tron. The, they just couldn't stay the same in the Tron world for very long, unless time's different there, you know. Unless you know they're living in nanosecond time, so you know when the sequel takes place, it's you know centuries later in yeah. Tron world development or whatever. That's one thing I thought that uh, uh, the sequel video game did so well was definitely presenting you, a, 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 you know, an update. You know, you could clearly tell that things had advanced, yes. but at the same rate, it was completely it was the same idea. recognizable yeah. and, and had the same feel without feeling like, you, you know, just a retread and i like how I the like master it. control program has a little bit of a like diffuse rainbow filter look oh, yeah. to him i love that this is this is this is late night mute movie viewing at its best right here these scenes this combination oh, yeah. of the black and white footage that's been colorized with the computer it's just oh man i would have loved to have seen this on a big old the simple screen. fact that the MCP's lips moved was big was, shit yeah. when this movie came out. Yeah, well, we didn't even know what a wireframe was in those days. You know, that he's right. he's a wireframe, but at the, I mean, it was just amazing. And I mean, he's like everything that you see in this movie, you can do with home equipment now. You oh, can yeah. build some simple sets out of cardboard some simple outfits like the Tron guy out of like football pads and cloth. That looks so cool. And you know, you could make this movie at home if you had the time, you know, now. Well, have you seen the, the one? The... Yeah, I've seen the the comedy ones that the guys have been doing. Yeah, the Tron reboot, yeah. but there's another one where a guy did exactly what you're talking about. He used paper cutouts and like cardboard models and completely recreated the, the light cycle, light cycle mm -hmm. race, and light cycle, light cycle sequence at home, and it it looks just as good. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. Not better in some ways. So yeah, it's he, he, yeah, you you really could. Yeah, you could totally do that. I mean, I, those uh, what are they called? Tron reboot. They are very funny. Yes, and they and they look you know they look right. They got the sound and the look all you know all down. And it's funny when, if you if you look at the pictures of the Tron guy and stuff, he's really accurate with his costume. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, it looks like this, like, when I saw the Tron guy, a lot of people were like, oh, look, it's like this old yellow jumpsuit, but that's what these guys are wearing. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I remember Man. talking in uh, in our Trontacular about which outfit it was I had seen. It was definitely uh, Boxleitner's outfit. Now that I look at it, because uh, I forgot that uh, Flynn's has the little toga right. part of it over you know over his uh, outfit. So yeah, it was Boxleitner's that I saw. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't look anything like that. It's very, very plain. It's stark white and stark black and pretty undynamic, I have to say. I, was, uh -huh. I mean, it was awesome to see it. It was all done rate, in it was post. It a little bit of a letdown. What's that? It was all done in post. <laughs> Here's things where, where we really get fun, where, where Sark is addressing the troops. Damn it, you're way ahead of me again. I'm at the part where the guys are just walking up onto the... They're about to be addressed. Yeah, I'm just running... Uh, every few minutes, I'll just stop for a couple seconds and keep us more or less in sync. It's panning up, and now Sark's going to... Yeah, there we go. Sark just started to talk. Monster Control Program has selected you to serve on the game grid. Now this dialogue that they give Sark and the master control program and how he, you know, is, is his sort of evil chewing the scenery character is great. He, it's great. You know, I they could have gone the total route where these guys were sort of computer drony and not right. having their own distinct dynamic personalities, but I'm glad they did and, and kind of silly, you know, in some ways. Right. It works really well. Especially Flynn's looking around like, what yeah. the hell is he talking about? Yeah. Well, Flynn, is, you know, Flynn's probably thinking at this point, you know, that he could just be in some sort of like coma or dream or something. You know, he's just sort of <laughs> like, okay, whatever, I'll go with the flow. That's what I like about his character too. Is as he figures out what's going on, he just goes with the flow. <laughs> you know, right? He's he's. He under he and he actually understand starts understanding the world. He isn't a, just a complete idiot, you know. Oh, like, here comes one of the big action scenes where, hey, who's that guy? And Tron's he's fighting four guys at once. Uh -huh. I love this. Oh, I love that sound as they derez. That's so cool. It's really funny. They got some bullet sound effects in here too. Oh yeah. <laughs> He lets the one guy, the one red guy, take out the other red guy. That is so cool. And I like when the discs even get near them, like it almost like they get almost energy from the discs. The light up. Well, the discs are giving off light too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And he holds his disc up. I love it. I love that. It's like Spartacus. <laughs> Spartacus. <laughs> when I was pitching this movie to Disney, I, I told them, look, I can do this whole goddamn movie with 15 jumpsuits and two tons of cardboard and four dozen Frisbees. That's all I need. Find me some office. Let me use the corporate headquarters for a couple shots, and we're good to go. I forgot What's I was neat, supposed you know, to actually be the director during this. The history of, of Dis Disney animation 
actually really helped the production of this because like in a scene like this very little of what is shown in this scene is is actually there is actually real yeah and when they were doing movies like say uh peter pan you know entire sections of that movie were actually filmed with real people real actors and just the the slightest little bit of real yeah yeah, and then all rotoscoped yeah so that totally works with this same type of thing now somewhere on that board in certain scenes you can see a pac-man that board that was behind and uh, if you can't see you can definitely hear it oh yeah (coughs) i like just he and Krom have to fight yeah because he doesn't I, I you know for the beginning of this he doesn't realize i'm a mac and i'm a, a pc yeah he thinks it's just fun yeah and it's not till uh till Krom is like all right dude we'll see who wins mac or pc right here that looked a little wonky This is cool. If you can get far enough in uh, Discs of Tron, the arcade version, it actually gets to a point where you're playing this highlight game. Oh, really? So then it comes, yeah, it's not, after a while it gets to where you can still throw the disc, you know, know, like across the board, but you can also use the controller and aim up at the ceiling, and it'll ricochet shots off the ceiling just like this, and you can take out the opponent's discs. It's really cool. But that's way into the game. You have to really, you have to be good, and you have to stick with it to be able to get that far in the game. I've only, I've only ever managed to get that far a few times myself. I love that. I love how their their color flares up whenever they're like exerting themselves. That's really cool. I like how even though the rings have dissolved. The, the outline is still there. And everything just floats. You know, whether it's actually being suspended by anything or not, it just kind of floats there. And everything Uh-oh. has that dead glassy smell. Or smell sound. <laughs> that dampened sound. Yeah. Yeah, see, now he realizes. Finish the game! Finish him. No, man. No. I'm a pacifist. He dumps it out, and I always thought it should dissolve the ring he's standing on when he dumps it out like that. Sark's such a bastard. Well, what's funny is right there, there's the, there's the, um, the, it's, this is the shot that they sort of parallel in the trailer for the new one with Jeff Bridges. A shot just like Jeff Bridges lording over like Sark there oh, in the right. close up of yeah. his eyes, the same close up of his eyes shifting around that they did of Sark there. So they're sort you of are absolutely right. drawing a parallel there. Now, now watch how everything dissolves behind them. Just, just as the, yeah, that's cool. Flynn, you made it. Now, this is one of my favorite moments of the entire movie coming up is, to me, it, it adds a touch of, of realism to the movie where they are uh, transported to the grid. And Flynn's reaction is that he just looks around, he's like, wow. You know, yeah. it's 
It's, you know, that childlike wonder. You know, he was just teleported. I like that. You know, the recognizers remind me a lot of uh, Maximilian from the Black Hole. Yeah. I don't remember that green tint so much to them, though. I wonder if that's a process, you know, a, a, a result of, like, the DVD it could process. Be. Or, or it could like be that. your actual monitor, too. Yeah, there he goes. Wow. That's cool. Now, of course, oh, the I most love... we're getting to the most iconic yep. scene in the in Tron with everybody. This is what everybody remembers. Everybody yep. plays this game on their on their iPhones and stuff. <laughs> and it's it's definitely using it. the Star Trek formula of everybody being you know gold leader and. Star Wars, you mean? Or the Star Wars, yeah. What did yeah. I say? Star Trek. Star Trek but yeah, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Red leader, gold leader. It's hard not to get hypnotized by this scene. Oh yeah. I, I love, you know, when it's when it's Flynn's turn here. And you know, he wrote the program so he knows He knows you just know, what how the to play it, is. yeah. And what's funny is that there really are patterns to playing the uh -huh. you know, like if you're playing the Tron arcade game there's a t completely a pattern to every single light cycle board in that game and if you know the pattern you can beat it almost every time as long as you hit your cues right yeah yeah exactly yeah and that's what he's do that's all he's doing here he's he knows what the, the what the sequence is so he doesn't necessarily have to know what's around every one of these corners because he knows what the sequence is that that's just so cool to me because he even comments on that, you know, here in another minute, you know, he says, uh, "That's what happens when you're I a know user. my way around the life cycle yeah. routine. I wrote it, you know." I love it. I always like the voice that comes up and tells them, you know, this is an illegal exit. You must return to the grid. There's something about that I always really got a kick out of. I don't know why. It reminds me of THX ah! 1138. Oh yeah. And the jet trail fades just in time for them to be able yep. to both go through. And here comes the recognizer. Boom. Too late. I love that. Now, I like how apparently they can turn the, the jet thing off if they want to. Or maybe it's a result of having once left the game the, grid. Once they're off sure. the grid, maybe, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always what I always figured, you know. You would think in the computer room that or the computer world that whoever can control the light cycles would just be able to turn them off you know when they got out that but i it's kind of cool that you can <laughs> can ride off with them and uh and be a renegade there's the pac-man yeah see it yeah. now when he smacks this guy it makes the dying pac-man sound yeah and then these tanks come alive with a with like a little flare you can see them come to life yeah, yeah, there they go. Yeah, that's so cool. With a nice little like the music. full resolution kicks in, because they're just kind of like a sketchy outline yeah. until they kick until they get hit with some power. You know what? I can't believe I forgot about this. I'll have to admit a little bit of uh, I don't know what the word not not irritation, but just a little bit of going. Eh, I don't know about that. The, the first time I saw 
the uh, the teaser trailer for the sequel, you know, and like, you know, when the when the trailer actually officially hit and watching it uh -huh. like in really good detail, how they were like sliding around and bumping each other and all that kind of thing. Now and they're doing it now, said, though, in this. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like that they, they, they weren't traveling in perfectly straight, like, right-angle lines and stuff. And I'd forgotten that they actually did, like, slide around and stuff in this first one. For some reason, I kind of, I guess I kind of forgot about that. I love that, falling off the thing. On the uh, Story of Tron album, there's actually some dialogue during this part that's not in the finished film which is kind of cool just just little little lines that, like i think it's delivered by the tank guys saying something like you know commence rapid firing or something to that you know there, there's one or two lines that that didn't make the movie i need to listen to that again i haven't listened to it in a long time On the other side. did you see the tron reboot one where the guy keeps sneezing, and every time he sneezes and bends over, the light cycle starts to form around him. No, <laughs> that's it's pretty hysterical. funny. Oh, that looks so cool in widescreen. I like that all, part yeah, too. Yeah, that they, looks uh, really cool too. They uh, they drink the water, and I like the music in that part when it comes up. I don't see any any Pac-Man in this part. No. There's not as many little dots around as there were in the last one. <laughs> this whole this whole little sequence here is very is uh, one of my favorites in the movie. The little quiet part where. Yeah. You know the little interlude that they get. I really like this. Where they actually, you know, where you act, they actually get to sit still a minute in this world and yeah. just sort of take a look at it, you know. And Flynn finally starts to sort of get his bearings and and relax and actually communicate with somebody. Wendy uh, Carlos's score that kicks in in here in a minute. It's called Water Music and something. On the uh, on the soundtrack album, I love that music. I love this whole sequence. Love her score to this movie. Completely unique. Oh yeah, it's the one of the most unique. The only one that sort of sounds similar are parts of Clockwork Orange, <laughs> because it's her too. But the but that's different. That's like all her classical stuff. This is. Well, no, there's some Wendy Carlos stuff in there, too. I love the look of this room that they're in. Yeah, and they reach in and everything glows. Well, what's is funny so is deep. when you're really thirsty and you drink nice cold water, that's how you feel, you know? You can feel your whole body cool and, like, get re-energized, like... Except they're, they're really... They're, like, kind of getting high off it, too. They're just sort of like... yeah. Got, That's so neat. Yeah, I mean, you know, it actually rolls over on his back and is like, ha ah. <laughs> Jeff Bridges is just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I did this. this. Now, if I remember properly, here in a minute, Ram tells him to put a cork in it, 
And I'm like, how would these guys know what a cork is? Because they usually have some sort of, like, computer analogy for everything. Put a quark in it. Put a quam, put a quark in it. I wonder how much frisbee sales went up after this movie came out. I don't know. It wasn't like it was a huge hit, unfortunately. No, I know it. But, you know, I, I, I've come to agree with what you were saying when we did the Trontacular that ultimately, I think I'm actually really glad that this movie wasn't a big hit in a, in a funny kind Somebody of way. Somebody would have already made a bad sequel to it by now. <laughs> probably. Probably. Because, yeah, as, as awesome as I think this is and as much as I love it, you know, I, I wasn't a Tron, or excuse me, I wasn't a Disney fan during this, this era because most everything else they put out in this era, I just, I really don't think they were good movies, you know? There was a lot of, a lot of, like, schlock and a lot of, like, they were still... That 80s sort of half-assedness. There was a real environment of half-assed movies in the 80s of like we can mm -hmm. get away with just sort of doing this halfway and yeah we'll get these actors yeah they're all coked out or whatever but you know people go to see them no matter what they do this well, it's not this, just that is that disney during this era i think they they failed to recognize the fact that they were still making movies like Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea and Treasure Island and So Dear to My Heart and movies like that, which don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking those movies. They are great movies. They are classic Disney movies, but they were making their movies in that classic Disney sweet family movie style in a post-Star Wars yeah. world, and it just was failing to connect with everybody. Well, I, you know? I think the secret to this movie is, A... Well, the actors were all good. B, you had a writer direct, well, writer slash director. You had somebody who wrote this story. It was his story, and he got to direct it. So he got to make his story, you know. And um, of course, you know the design and and the visual aspect of it was all groundbreaking. But he really had, you know, he really had an idea for this, and it it shows. You know, there's a little extra to it. It's there's not a lot to this movie. It's a basic good versus evil, you know, but it's all about the style and it's all about how it's carried out that makes it great, which is, I think, I, I, I just hope that this new one is follows that direction where it doesn't have to be, you know, a dark, intensely full of deep meaning fable or whatever. It just has to be, right. it has to be a good entertaining story and then in in the context of this fascinating beautiful computer world it's a world you would want to go into i would love to you know oh yeah be transported in there for a while so and this and it gives you just enough of it to go wow that's really cool and and leaves just enough of it you know mysterious for you to want more you know so mm -hmm. I'm hoping that's what the new movie is. I'm I'm hoping it gets the same sort of criticisms that this did, that it's like, well, the story was too simplistic and stuff like that. And it wasn't about, you know, having a real 
complex story. It had elements of, you know, the characters and their relationships and all that. And, but, you know, it's just, a, you know, get from one place to another and defeat evil story. And I love it. I would, yeah, I would love to, love to be in this world. I'm telling you, man, you gotta, you gotta play that sequel game. Cause just, I tried to you know, a little that... bit, but I have a hard time with those first-person shooters. See, it's funny because I don't think of that game as... I guess technically it is, but I don't really think of it as a first-person shooter. I really don't. For one thing, I guess I'm just too much of a purist. But when it came to that game, I played it very much the same way I played, like, uh, Jedi Knight 2 or... Uh, or Jedi Academy, where whenever I was the Jedi character, I refused to use any weapon but the lightsaber. Oh, even okay. though you're, you're armed with, like, all this vast right. array of weapons. You were playing it pure. When I, yeah. When I played Tron 2.0, you know, you get all these fancy weapons, you know, like a sniper rifle and all these different things, but I played it. My with weapon was always the disc, yeah. And I, I felt that that added something to it somehow i don't know why i just i just did i like that effect right there when he touches the joystick and those those circles uh -huh. zip out like that's cool it's really simple it's probably just simple animation but it looks really sharp and i love the blue uh the blue recognizer just i don't know that looks really cool too uh -huh. excuse me where uh are we still in sync here? Yeah, he's just starting to croak now on mine. Oh, you're way ahead of me, dude. Alright. He's saying, come here, dude. He just no, he just slowed the recognizer to a halt. Okay. He just took uh Ram's hands. He's about to ask him if he's a user. He goes, Ooh, my user. All right, we're in yeah, I think again. you're just slightly ahead of me. I think I might have a little bit of lag. I'm not sure. I can't figure out why we keep going out of sync, but eh, it's not by much. Don't money. worry about it. Don't yeah, worry about it's it. It's not by I'm sure we're but, going uh, out of sync with the the listeners, too, if they're watching along, too. It's <laughs> just hard. You know, it's hard to. Yeah. We're, we're close enough, yeah. I hope. I like this scene. I always like this scene. Always makes me really sad because uh, this is another aspect I kind of forgot about. This is that it's also in a, in a funny kind of way. It's also a buddy movie, you know. Uh huh. You know the, the Three Musketeers kind of thing with him and Ram and and Tron. Oh poor Ram. I like how he gets when he gets critical. His lights are blinking that much faster and kind of softer too. And then he just fades away. Aww. I also like Flynn's reaction. Like for just a second, he scrambles to like pull him back together or something. Oh, that makes me sad. I like Ram. <laughs> Don't go cry. Oh no, walk it off. <laughs> Tron is. Uh... I wonder if he's. Do you think he's purposely kind of stiff in this? He's or a is security it program. As a young act yeah. He's a security program. So he's a. Yeah, he's a stiff. He's he's a serious program. Oh, that was a serious like like the computers using up way too much RAM kind of transition. Did you see that? No. What do you? 
<clears throat> it did that crossfade from Shark's ship to the IO tower. And yeah, that wasn't the smoothest transition. It really did. It, it had that kind of laggy, like the computer's really, really, really struggling fighting. how much RAM that it's it's sucking up. Now the Solar Sailor. I love that we ended up with a Solar Sailor in episode. What was it? Episode two yeah. of of yeah. Star Wars, and it was basically the same design almost. You You're know? right. And uh, you know what? I hate to give it a plug, but I, I I I have to just because I remember this. They actually had a solar sailor on um, um, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Really? Well, I mean, the yeah, idea of a solar-powered, you know, ship that had a big wide fan sort of thing that would collect light waves bouncing off it has been like an idea NASA's bounced around before, you know. So oh, yeah. that's probably where the idea originated. But I like the fact that. I mean, the Dooku Solar Sailor looks a lot like the Solar Sailor in Tron, you know. it's. I think oh, yeah. that's really cool that that was probably a little tribute. Her headdress is completely unflattering. She almost looks like a cone head. love the black the film the fact that they filmed this in black and white i think really adds a lot to yes because everything yes because it, it it gives it that surreal dreamlike feel to it you know they just tint the oh, color yeah. the, the they give them a little bit of flesh color to them but you can still see the blood the gray tones underneath it so it gives it that very kind of artificial um Oh what what do they call that process um I'll remember it in a second but it would be where where it it's a form of animation where you would um project a frame at a time down onto a onto a piece of film like a rear projection like rear kind projection of thing, sort of I love these freaky looking guys walking yeah, around like, sitting with the with the that look like transistors and stuff. Now you know what that is? That's the cantina sequence yes. of this movie. Yes, it is. It's a short cantina sequence, but yeah. Shaboink. <laughs> I love that shock absorber effect yeah. when the run the recognizer hits. Well that's, that's a cool. that's the thing. They this really anticipated the whole you know, a lot of modern computer technology where oh, yeah. things reacted with real physics you know things reacted and slid and and i love this when it takes out the brain yeah <laughs> i love that now my favorite part i still love it and i still think it looks fantastic is when it goes into a spin because that at the time was a bitch to animate with a computer oh i'm sure but it looks fantastic it's coming up here in just a second when it zips down into this valley thing. <laughs> He's panicking, stomping all the button, uh -huh. all the controls. Just misses these guys. I love that. But even the recognizer itself, it's there's parts of it that are not connected. Yeah, it it's, all like, it's like how the, they're almost connected by magnetic force or something. Yeah, I like that. 
I like that that it, it gives you the feeling that in this world gravity is subjective that there's a lot of there's a lot of elements and there's a lot of places where gravity's not really a factor yeah because I don't know that we see a lot of it in the film itself but if you look at like the background in that um discs of Tron video game the static background that's that's on there that guy looks like his head's floating free of his body that's cool or is that a woman I guess that's a woman but there's buildings where like there's space between floors right and they're just they're just floors. yeah yeah I love that oh you know what I saw the other day um I got an eBay alert. I, I can't remember why I got it because I, I don't think I'm following anything Tron related on eBay. But for some reason, something came up in one of my eBay alerts for. Um, I always thought that there was only one light cycle toy that came out, the yellow one. But apparently there was more than one because the two of them came up on eBay. The uh -huh. other day. It was a yellow one and a, and a red one, and they were still in the package. And apparently they actually came with an exclusive action figure, too. And I never realized all that. I thought it was cool, but they, they were out of my price range. I just thought it was really neat. Now, right there. A lot of these color combinations the are scene. 80 co colors combinations. Oh, yeah. But that scene where they just, uh, where Yori and Flynn, uh -huh. or excuse me, Yori and Tron, rather, duck into that room. room. Uh-huh. And then the next scene is him taking out the guard with his with his uh, disc. Right in somewhere in this area is where there was the cut scene of her of changing. them going back to her place. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the those uh, pipes the bonus. look like something from Pink Floyd, The Wall. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> well, there's a lot of elements to this film that do remind me of something that you and I would have watched like late night on like night flight or something like uh -huh. that. Like one of the videos or one of those like wacky movies or even certain elements kind of remind me of, uh, of like heavy metal or something, even though I've never really seen that movie, like start to finish. I've only seen like elements of it. Well, heavy metal had a few and Richard Corbin made a book once that was a cartoon where he took pictures, black and white pictures and hand colored them in, did backgrounds you know that that looked a lot like this especially the faces the way the faces look you know with yeah. just sort of a solid color on them you know what i didn't think of this until just this moment but i totally should have turned the subtitles on because i'd still like to know is the uh i forget what they call that oh did you see the grit on the film right there yeah or whatever that was the uh the tower keeper guy i, I want to know what his name is. is it dumont or dumas because i'm not sure i think it's dumont dumont he kind of looks like the sphinx i wonder if that's purposeful that he looks like the sphinx well this is a very that is the most obviously mobius designed Oh, yeah. Uh, character. Oh, yeah. He's right out of a Mobius comic, right out of heavy metal. He loves mm -hmm. those big, round, blobby, you know, and weird headdress things. Make 
I can't believe I never really noticed before how completely unflattering her headdress is. Well, it looks like a bathing cap, you know, like she was yeah. going to be doing, what was it, Esther Williams' water ballet. Oh, yeah, it looks like one of those Busby Berkeley yeah. swimming movies with, the like, the synchronized swimming. Yeah. It totally does. <laughs> and the black and white just adds to that effect, uh -huh. too. Oh, that's funny. I like how, like, with a wave of his thoughts there, he, like, blocks Blocks off the windows. Yeah. Now, there's a sequence coming up here where to break in, Sark says, uh, bring in the logic probe, and it shows this big, like, tuning fork-looking thing, uh -huh. and it's de-resting the wall. Um, again, that comes up in that video game, um, the arcade game, um, uh, Discs of Tron. If you get, like, three or four levels into that game... There's a part where Sark says, bring in the logic probe. But I don't think they actually show the logic probe come in. He just says it. Because they, they have, like, you know, kind of like how the Star Wars, that vector graphic Star Wars arcade yeah. game used to have, like, the little digitized lines. That that particular Tron video game has a lot of Sark lines from the movie, but in that kind of, like, computer-speak voice. That's really pretty. I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's the logic probe coming in. That's cool. You know what it actually it looks like a barbecue fork. This is definitely one of the more dreamlike sequences, I think, in the in the whole movie. The the look of this this room and the IO tower and all that. Right. Very dream very surreal. It's like a neon surreal version of the bottom of Cloud City when Luke was oh, <laughs> yeah. sliding through it. A lot of this reminds me of ELO album covers, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like how his disc lights up the... Lights up the IO beam. You know, it shows that it's establishing a communication. See, this is where I'm starting to think that time in the Tron world is... is goes a lot faster <laughs> than ours because, you know, he's talking to Boxleitner on his computer... Right. And so it's probably only been a few, like a minute, you know, since we last were out in the outside world and Boxleitner went on the computer. And all this I always had in this. that. Yeah. I always had that impression that ultimately, in the real world, Flynn's whole thing happened in like a matter of seconds right, or minutes. Right. When he you know? gets, he's sort of, he's sort of sent back right where he left off. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's kind of carried over into uh, Tron 2.0, that impression that, that the, the this world has moved on way beyond the time of Tron. Because in that, um, like the you know like the movie that's coming, you know Tron Legacy. In that, Tron is called the Tron Legacy Code. So Tron never is in that game at all. He's referred to almost like a a legend, like a Christ-like figure. Yeah. You know that yeah, a legend exactly. 
Well, this, and I is, like this is the religious part of the movie where, you know, he go, basically goes to the church and Dumont is sort of like the priest, you know, the mediator to. That's right. That lets That's him right, in yeah. to talk to his God. You know, and, right. and Jeff Bridges is basically the God who's fallen from Mount Olympus into uh, the mortal yeah. coil. Well, you know, Ram says something to that effect to, uh, I forget who he's talking to. I think he might be talking to Tron. Near the beginning of the movie, he says, hey, can you tell me what's going on in the outside world? You know, I've been stuck here for 200 microcycles, which, you know, sound, you know, 200 sounds like a long time. But then you think a microcycle, how, how long is he? Is he talking like a, like a, a week nanosecond? Or, yeah, or, or a couple weeks yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely get the feeling that their world is moving at this vastly accelerated pace and the real world would seem eternal by their right. standards so it does have a lot of that now here's where the music <laughs> this guy is just this jumps oh yeah the Tron uh, what do they call that Scurzo yeah. I love it I love the shot. Kind of like a Star Destroyer coming over the top of the Mesa right there to chase them. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, I'm noticing some real parallels with Star Wars now that I. You well, know, remember, at this, this time, everything here? had parallels to Star Wars. You couldn't oh, yeah. get around it. You know, Star Wars basically told people you you know i i don't think they had to do it but they felt they had to have certain aspects right. to it even if it's that the part way... right there is very much the the jump to light speed moment from star wars you know leaving tattooing and the star destroyers on their heels and then all of a sudden the falcon kicks into hyperdrive that's very much what just happened right there with the solar sailor suddenly zips far ahead when it's just about to be caught kind of thing i love that or the star trek 3 leaving space dock scene yeah there was another star wars parallel a minute ago i was i meant to comment on it. now i can't remember what it was <laughs> or the scene where count dooku escapes <laughs> at the end of episode yeah. two yeah very much so Now, coming up here pretty soon, i got to remember to point this out when I get to it. I cannot believe I've never noticed this on my own. It actually took me, I read it on some website somewhere. And now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it, but I never obvious. noticed it before. There's, yeah, it's completely obvious there is a hidden Mickey in this movie. Really? Yeah. I love this, how his color changes back to blue. That's neat. Is it? Ah. Uh... I think it's I know what you're talking here. about. I think I'm it's a couple up seconds. To s tell me when you see it. Because I just saw Where are you it. at right now? I just saw it. Tell me when you see it, and that's how I'm going to sync up. Oh, okay. Up. Are you that far ahead of me? It's probably I'm, I'm at the seconds. part where Fox Lightner just slapped uh, Jeff. There it is right yeah. there. Yep, he just sailed past it. Giant Mickey head and profile. Yeah, and it's just sort of slapped on the, the ground. Yep. You know, it looks like a bath mat or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that was it. This is 
plain as day, but I never noticed it on my own before. And here we get a little replay of the earlier scene. With yep, he steps right between them. Yeah. Shoot, I'm trying to think of what that other Star Wars moment was a moment ago, and I, I've totally blanked on on what it was. There was another part I was going to point out. Because it was like the cantina, you know, the scene that was like the cantina scene, and then there was another scene that was like right out of Star Wars, too, and I can't think of what it What was it? I like this. I like the quiet moments of this movie. Yeah. I think that, that adds to it. Well, that's a, those are the moments where you're actually just hanging out in the Tron world. And I love mm -hmm. how you can sort of see the landscape slowly moving underneath them. And every once in a while, something smaller will just whip by. So you get that feeling of speed, you know. And I love I like, uh, the, mm -hmm. the water-like things that go through the... Yeah. And, and stretch and distort. I like how the... Uh... The recognizers also kind of lock onto the beam uh -huh. and use it. That's, that's a neat concept, too. I don't know why I like that so much, but I do. I think it looks really sharp. But also, that, that sequence we just passed with, with Jeff Bridges, you know, again, I know I referenced this before, but it reminds me a lot of, like, the quiet moments of, uh, of King Kong that was not very far behind in Jeff Bridges' you know, acting past uh -huh. when this movie came out. You know, like, the, the moments with with Jeff Bridges and uh, Jessica Lang on the boat, you know, just having like, you know, when they were getting to know each other and all that, his, his character is so similar to me in this. Cause he's, he's playing sort of the, that was a character genius, he played in those wise days. Ass. Yeah. He yeah. was always a wise yeah. ass in those days. He was a young yeah. cocky, wise ass sort of thing. God, those grid bugs look like pictures they have of real viruses now. Yeah. Poor Dumont. I like that he's got those sparkly things around him, like those glasses you used to be able to buy yeah. in the store. Made everything sparkly. He's getting the digital equivalent of a waterboarding right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's a domestic terrorist in Tron World at this point under the MCP's control. I like that the MCP started out as a chess program. Started small and he'll end small. He's gonna end as a shoots and ladders program. Damn, these chips are good. <laughs> Looks like the crown of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> you maniacs! You blew it up! <laughs> wrong movie that's cool they send the surge back very cool I can't help it damn it I just like this movie you know yeah we know man we just listened I mean... to the last episode <laughs> where you talked about how you liked it for three fucking hours <laughs> I hope there was something entertaining in that three hours. We get it. You, just... you like it, okay? We get it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Now he gets a nice little facial massage. What? I'm probably ahead of you again. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. You're just slightly just, ahead. Just yep. a couple seconds ahead of you. Hello, beautiful. I wonder if she's going to be in the new movie. I don't know. My impression, and I don't know this for sure, but my impression is that she put on some weight. Uh, and that's why she didn't want to, to be... Because, like, if you watch the documentaries and stuff on here, I think it only shows, like... Her from the head up. From, yeah, stuff like that. And now, see, now, there's a building right there that looks like it's... Yeah, see, they're totally not, not uh, connected in parts. That's cool. Very, very cool. I like that. This valley thing they're flying through in this part looks a lot like the valley that it, it shows in that uh, original trailer for the new movie where they're zipping through on their light cycles. It's kind of constructed the same sort of way. Now, this part where it shows the Sark vehicle kind of sneaking, it kind of reminds me of that part in the beginning of Yellow Submarine where the, yeah. the Yellow Submarine sneaking up on Ringo. Oh, could have sworn I, don't know why. I saw a Yellow Submarine. Yeah. <laughs> Would you believe me if I told you I was being followed by a yellow submarine? No, no, I would not. Puss, puss, <laughs> puss, puss. I love that. Movie. Oh, we gotta do that, Chris. We gotta do. We yellow gotta submarine. do a commentary for Yellow Submarine, man. I love that movie. <laughs> tell me that wouldn't be a riot. Oh God. You know what's funny, man? Kids love that movie. Of course they do. I'm just trying to think of um, that one line I love from Yellow Submarine. It's something, something, Sid Proquo. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. With Jeremy the Boob. Yeah. And Flynn freaks him out. No, you're dead. I killed you. I killed you. He blows up a gas station behind. No, wait, wait, wait. Why would you die? <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite line in uh, in all of Yellow Submarine is where uh, where they're trying to break the bubble that's surrounding uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, and one of them says uh, it's beetleproof, and John Lennon goes, "Nothing is beetleproof." That's my that's my favorite line in that whole movie. God, I don't know what I couldn't pick. Go, glove. Glove. <laughs> God. Anyway, back. <laughs> yeah, I back digress. Trump, yeah, I, I agree with you. I love that movie. It's okay. We, we do. We do need to do that one. We need to do more of these. I'm having a blast doing this one. Because I don't have. We, have we ever actually watched this movie together before? I don't know that we have. I don't have know we? if we have. Seems we like probably we, we probably did. Yeah. When we when when you were living in Rochester, you just had that massive VHS collection, and we would watch movies all the time. We were watching stuff yeah. left and right. Yep. You're right. We were. Whoa! I don't want to look at your ass, dude. I remember si I remember sitting on the porch having a garage sale watching Back to the Future one through three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my God! I forgot about that. 
love the music. I wonder how the soundtrack to the new one's going to sound. Well, Daft Punk are pretty good for that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm hoping they'll probably integrate some of the Wendy Carlosness into, but it'll probably have that techno feel to it. But I'm hoping, you know, there's that music goes two ways for me. Um, there's some people who are masters of it and who approach it at a in a real, like uh, Papalit itself, that will put that much energy and thought into it and make it interesting. And then there's people who just sort of make trite, you know, it all sounds the same dance music for people to dance to. But Daft Punk seems to be one of those... Uh, you know, innovators slash experimenters right. with that stuff. So I'm hoping they make it very interesting. And sometimes that mu oh, music I, works really good in movies. I just thought of what the other Star Wars moment was when he was communing with uh, with Alan, and it showed the schematic of the MCP. It totally reminded me of the whole General Dodonna, you know, Death shoot Star. shoot the torpedoes yeah. into the Death Star here type of thing. So yeah, definitely some some strong parallels. Uh-oh. Your babe's blinking out. That's cool. It's too bad he couldn't do that for Ram. I liked Ram. Ah, they save it for the chick. <laughs> You know what? That would be interesting if uh, if they find a way to. Uh, I don't know that I'd want to see him be like a fully formed character in in the new movie, but you know, supposedly there's a uh, clue 2.0 in the new movie. It'd be interesting if uh, if Flynn wrote like an homage program to Ram mm -hmm. in the new movie. You know, just to kind of. You know, acknowledges his buddy. That'd be kind of interesting. Well, it seems you should be that. able to just boot people right back up in this world. Ow! Oh, he's doing the Darth Vader thing where you can see his skeleton. His skull glows through. <laughs> Father, please! And I love that, that South Park episode where the uh, MCP in, is Moses. Oh, Moses. Yeah, I saw that one. There are very, very, very few things in this movie that I don't like, but one of them that I don't like is, is coming up here shortly. I have to point it out when it gets there. Because there's there's one thing that they could change in this that would that would really <laughs> I'd, I'd just like to see it get retconned I have to say I'm fading <laughs> Calgon take me away <laughs> he's creepy looking that MCP yeah, face. He's got a little bit of baby face working there. 
I wonder what's down in those pits. Those like red pits. I don't know. It looks like hell, doesn't it? It looks like yeah, lava or something. Very much does. He falls down there, and that's where. Uh, oh, that's cool. That's where uh, General Zod and his minions are. <laughs> yeah. Are. <laughs> Suck. All right, here we go. This is a part I don't like. That's neat. Do you mean the Godzilla movie? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Giant Sark. I don't like that don't either. Like yeah, that's goofy to me. And they film him in a little slow motion to make him seem giant. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't. I don't care for that. Why not just make a got, make a very powerful Sark instead of making him giant? You know. Well, plus he says all my functions are not yours, so it gives the implication that he's like dumped himself into Sark or something. But he's clearly still operating as the MC. Yeah. So why didn't Sark just simply derez? You know, I don't understand that whole I, that part of it. I just I just don't care for it. Although it was kind of used to, to more interesting effect in that um, that um, comic book series that Tron 2.0 the comic uh -huh. there's this big battle between like the blue guys and uh, like this warrior army type of thing and when they all assemble on the battlefield there are guys that are like giant size like Sark that have like like uh you know, it's like Tron versions of like battle axes and stuff. It actually looked really cool, just the way they did it. You know, all these like foot soldiers, and then every once in a while, it was it was kind of like in Lord of the Rings, where you know all the soldiers are on the field, but then there was like giant trolls and war elephants yeah. and shit like that. It kind of gave that same kind of feel, and it, it actually worked. It, it was actually kind of neat. Uh oh, get a little bug up his ass. like how Flynn is able to make him stop and open that little window. There you go. There's your window of opportunity, dude. Whoa. There's no place I come. There's no place I come. Now this part right here with, uh, with uh, showing like the real face of the MCP and all that, that kind of reminds me of... Uh, the end of the black hole with uh you know maximilian, maximilian and hell and all that yeah maximilian with reinhardt inside of him that's right yeah his face like inside of him we still need to do our black hole episode yeah. at some point god i haven't seen that movie in years man i need to watch and that. that and there'll be a new black hole movie coming out too no, that one's a reboot, though, right? Or, I mean, a, a, a remake, remake, right? yeah. Could be cool, though. I hope so. I hope it has that gothic feel of the... That sort of... Big iron ship feel of the original. That's cool. Now, that definitely looks like, like a... 80s record like cupboard. Album. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like an like, a, or yes, like an or... HBO like tr promo in between movies. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a, like a cover to like a Yes album or something. Yeah. yeah. I love it. 
Whoa, what's that thing? He doesn't get pissed when she's tell and she told him that she was she learned that from Flynn. <laughs> That's cool. I like how the, the world comes alive there at the end and you see that it, it really wasn't quite as stark right. as it looked up to that point. And that basically, isn't this the same sequence just played, played in, in reverse? reverse? I believe, yes. <laughs> That's neat, though. Optical printing, that was the, that, that, that was the yeah. phrase yeah. I was trying to think of an hour ago I have totally got to look that up about that laser gun because I would not at all be surprised to find out that that at least part of that was recycled as uh, as Wayne Zielinski's shrinking machine a Google image search could probably straighten it out yeah. there you go <gasps> my games <laughs> doc doc I got my games back He's going to be a rich, rich man. Not him. Not him? Not Dillinger. No, no. Uh, he's about to Flynn. become a poor, poor man. Yeah, he's about poor to. Poor jailed man. He's about to go to prison. We don't see as he pulls the nine mil out of his desk drawer and just ends it right just there. Just offs himself. Yep. Sprays his brains all over his new touchscreen desk. <laughs> That's wrong. Funny, but wrong. <laughs> you know, it kind of looks like Tron rolled out the window back there, doesn't it? It looks like the whole Mesa thing, kind of. <laughs> okay, when that helicopter comes up and gets ready to land, don't you think they'd be more like, Jesus fucking Christ, man? <laughs> Jesus, did you have to, head off. Yeah, what the fuck? Why can't you come at us from above and just land? You have to come oh swooping God. up like five feet over our head. Nerd girl in tight sweater. <laughs> I'm going to need a minute. Watch those hands, pal. And I like this. It shows the real world actually turning into... World. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, the, the when it's doing the the fast, the what do you, the, what do they call that? The speed up of the film, and it's mm -hmm. showing the headlights, and because you can see like planes zipping by real fast in the sky. But... Time lapse. Yeah, time lapse. That's it. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Oh my God, that went by fast. Of course it does. Steve Lisberger. I'm so glad that he's involved with the with the sequel. That gives me that gives me great hope that it's now Harrison Ellenshaw is Peter Ellenshaw's son. Yes, that's right. Now the the other name that went by just a moment ago, uh, Ron Miller. Um, that was uh, one of Walt's uh, Walt Disney's um, sons-in-law. Oh, that uh, for a brief time, if I remember my Disney company history correctly, I think for a brief time he actually was the head of Disney. And uh, something or other went on, and, and I don't think that lasted very long. 
but I could I could be wrong. I'm some kind of fuzzy on that whole, especially during this whole time period. Bernard Hughes, that's that guy's name. I think he's dead now. I'm pretty sure he's dead now. The one that played the old man, Dumont. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out. Oh, there's Mobius. Yeah, yeah, yeah it doesn't mean him. And Sid Mead, of course, is known for his uh, Blade Runner design, especially. I like this music in this part because it's real quiet and soft, and then by the end of it, it really kicks in. Now, now credits journey, but you know, ah, that that whole thing drives me so crazy because you really only hear the tiniest snippet of journey in the entire movie. Yeah, and but there could have been some little. There could. There was probably some little deal between the record company and Disney and all this, yep. you know. And it's all a big, you know. It probably got you know, a little marketing going on. And Journey was big, and they were thinking, well, maybe if we have Journey's name attached onto it, we can sell more soundtracks, and you know, <laughs> some more of the kids might. What's funny, background plate photography, David Iwerks. And I believe... I wonder if he's related to Ub Iwerks, one of yeah, the... Yeah, uh, that's what I was wondering. Animators. Yeah, I think so, probably. Now, what's funny is you mentioned uh, Harrison Ellenshaw. This will tell you how many times as a kid that I watched or listened to SPFX, The Empire Strikes Back, because I can remember the quote from... Oh, here's the Journey song right here. I can remember the... Uh, quote from Mark Hamill where he's talking about that. He says, uh, Harrison learned his art from his father Peter, who supervised the mats we've seen for Mary Poppins in the Black Hole. That's a direct <laughs> quote. <laughs> yeah, if you, I don't know. Have you ever seen Mary Poppins? Yes, I have. A long time ago. And the matte paintings for that are on. I'm turning up the journey a little bit in our sound mix here. <laughs> Yuck! I hate Steve Prayer fucking Well um, Flynn actually references that song during the course of the movie too. Does he? There's one yeah, there's one part where he says it's like the man says, there's no problems, only solutions. Oh god. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the song came out of that that throwaway line or something, I don't know. But anyway, he does Flynn does say the words only solutions at some point uh, that's unfortunate <laughs> what do you think man i i, totally I love this movie. this movie still yeah I, I love this movie i think it totally holy shit jackson bostwick is in this movie oh my god i never realized that before you know who he is, is he right related to bruce Bost bostwick or barry bostwick or whatever his name is I don't know about that, but Jackson Bostwick was the first Captain Marvel on the live-action Shazam series from oh. when we were kids. Holy cow, I never knew he was in this movie before. I wonder who he plays. I mean, it's got to be the same guy. I mean, that's such a unusual name. Yeah. Huh. Could be a son or something, too. There you go. Look at that. You know, seen this movie a, a zillion times, and I learned something new every time I watch it. That's awesome. <gasps> it's over. Wow. Oh, I love it though. Love it, love it. And this this disc or this two disc set 
is great. The, the 20th anniversary when there's so many cool bonus things. The little animations between all the, the menu screens are really cool. Yeah, I just I, I just actually this is that, uh, this is one of the first shows you know, a fan of it that doesn't act where I get to do a live sound mix so I can just like at this part pull up the audio from the on the disc and the background is our background music <laughs> <laughs> well I think that's about it for now don't you think yeah that's about all we can do seeing as how the movie's all over now it's all done and hopefully you guys have been watching the movie along with us and it's late at night so go to bed oh i'm totally going to bed but uh oh, i know you are yes yeah thank you to uh to the listeners for joining us for this i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope we uh we kept you entertained and maybe even uh informed you just a little bit <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.